Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Our Line Starts podcast. Uh, if you can't see us, if you're just listening to this podcast, I told Darren Drager and Keith Jones that this would be on TV, that they should dress up. <laughs> Keith Jones got halfway there with the collared shirt. Dregs went all the way, and I showed up like it's laundry day here. That was odd. Sweatshirt, not shaved, hat. Dregs, you look fantastic. It's good to have you on. We haven't spoken to you in a while. We have a lot of things, obviously, we want to get into. Yeah. Uh, we all want hockey to come back. We all realize this is a massive process, different phases in the process. Phase one, that we are still technically in the quarantine process. Next phase, next phase would be returning to facilities, trying to get some players, some staff in there. Where are we this week? What is going on this week where we could gain some more knowledge? Well, look, it's, it's automatically, Liam, to be fair, it's impossible to identify a specific timeline as to when the NHL will be initiating phase two. And, and that starts with bringing players, as you mentioned, back to their NHL cities. And that might be complicated, right? Um, it's not just a North American issue here. When you look at European players and the fact that they've got to come back overseas, that might be complicated. Um, I'm seeing, I'm reading about uh, a surge in COVID-19 cases in Russia. So those players coming back into North America, again, are obviously going to have to quarantine for a minimum of of 14 days. So the NHL can't wait around for all of that stuff to clear up. They've got to do their due diligence hand in hand with the National Athletic Players Association and the recently formed Return to Play Committee, which also has five NHL players on it. Um, In fact, uh, their meeting today being Tuesday, they meet on a weekly basis. And all three of those groups are talking about finalization of of a protocol. And that would be primarily related to phase two. So what happens when all of these players and personnel flood back to their NHL cities? You know, simple things like social distancing, which we're all still doing, uh, they're going to have to continue to do to some degree. You know, small gatherings, they're going to have to continue to to work out and do things in small groups, you know, scheduled shifts so that you can manage all of those groups. They're going to have to have small dedicated team staff and personnel to work with those small groups. And then uh, clearly sanitization of all the training facilities is going to be paramount to the criteria that will be agreed to and established within this list of protocols. So this week, as we're having this conversation, that's what the NHL the Players Association, and this Return to Play Committee are focused on. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, Dregs, <clears throat> Jones here. Good to see you, buddy. What, hey, uh, how closely is uh, the NHL following what's going on with the UFC and NASCAR? Looks like it's getting close to returning. How, is, how important it is, is it that those guys are successful in their returns? I, I think it's key, and they're following very closely, as you'd expect they would. I mean, from a marketing aspect, you know, the National Hockey League took great delight in the fact that the NFL went first with its virtual draft, loved every second of it, but I'm sure they gleaned some things that they'll do differently when, you know, they finally decide on when the NHL draft is, is going to be. But it is encouraging, I would think, from the decision makers of the National Hockey League when they look around some of the other reopenings around the world. And, yeah, we're talking about specific sporting events here, 
but even the simple reality of reopening business to some degree and you not seeing an immediate pushback or when you are seeing a second wave or more than that of COVID-19, the NHL has the luxury of learning from that too and they'll take their cues from that. So I think that there's a consistent uh, trail of information both back and forth between the NBA, the National Hockey League, baseball and the National Football League to be sure. But there's also an equal amount of dialogue, guys, as you can understand and appreciate, between the levels of government in the United States, certainly here in Canada, federally and provincially, and then all of the health authorities that feed into that system. So every day I check on this, and every day there's a sense of encouragement from some of the things that we've already talked about that bode well for the NHL getting to a place sooner than later to initiate phase two. But I'm also reminded by the NHL head office, that they're adhering to the motto, better safe than sorry. So when they get the, the clear from the authorities that matter in the various health departments, then that will be the sign that the National Hockey League is waiting for to move into the next phase. Yeah, and I think going a little better safe than sorry and the idea that you would really rather not start something that you are going to have to ultimately right. stop in the middle – uh, I look at the UFC. The UFC returned. They had a fighter that actually tested positive, and then they continued. Now, they also, Darren, had, what, 1,200 tests for around 300 people. So what is the league looking at in terms of testing? I know that's a big question. Yeah. But, I mean, you're talking about a league, a team sport. You're not talking about a handful of fighters for one night of competition. You're yeah. talking about several months of competition with massive teams, franchises on the move. You know, Liam, I wish I could put a, a specific number on it, but it, it'll be mammoth. It'll be tens of thousands of tests. It has to be. And, and trust me when I tell you guys, testing is a primary issue and, and a key element of discussion between the Players Association and the National Hockey League. And again, they continue to work hand in hand in this. It's not like they're battling each other over some of these things. They're just trying to work through what is the best method of testing possible that's going to work for everyone. And, and that's a delicate balance. It really, truly is. Because how often are players, team personnel, staff, arena staff, hotel staff, the bus driver, everyone involved in the return process, how often are they going to have to be tested? How quickly is the process going to be turned around in terms of learning the test results? You can't have a test on a Monday and not get those results, you know, for seven to 10 days. That's, that's just not going to work. And that system has been fine-tuned, but I know in, in dealing with this last week, uh, and that wasn't that long ago, again, the issue of testing was, wasn't necessarily a big concern, but it was an issue based on all of the things that I've, I've talked about here. And it's hard to imagine a world, especially the world that we're all currently living in, where you bring big groups of people back together, you know, teams in the National Hockey League, teams around Major League Baseball or the National Football League, without having consistent testing. And then that conjures up another issue, which is near and dear to every player's heart, and that's their families. We know that the Players Association isn't going to agree to any return-to-play protocol that doesn't allow for the player to see his children, his wife, his spouse, his family. All right, well, how do you get through all of that unless you've got specific testing that is going to work in the here and now? Uh, but again, uh, I believe what the NHL and the Players Association tell me. Uh, I believe that, you know, the, the health authorities who are advising both the PA and the NHL are great at what they do. And 
they all seem uh, more optimistic than pessimistic that they're going to be able to overcome that hurdle. Drags Major League Baseball owners yesterday announced that they had a plan for return to play. It was met with some resistance from the players. And that was met with a lot of resistance from the fans who were really upset to hear the players were going to argue over how much money they were going to make to return to play. Does hockey have any issues like that? Or the fact that most of the season has already been played, does it make it easier for the hockey players to return? Uh, On the short term, Jonesy, it makes it easier, yes. But we know because we've had this discussion as a group, you know, the issue of what the salary cap is going to be and, and what's escrow going to look like, clearly that matters to the players. It matters to everyone involved in the NHL. And as we've talked about, it seems more likely than not that the salary cap will be flat. Uh, at 80 plus million dollars but that's that's almost a fabricated number it's an agreed on number between the NHL and the NHLPA but it's not a reflection of what the revenues are this year because the lost revenue is is off the charts right we know this and in a normal environment if there's a loss in revenue then normally the player would feel the burden of that and the escrow percentage could escalate could go higher well to to make amends I mean, the escrow would have to creep into around 30%. Well, that's never going to fly, and the owners don't expect that. So there's got to be an agreement, a back and forth, a negotiated settlement between the NHL and the Players Association that all are comfortable with. And maybe it starts with that $81 million flat salary cap, and then it, it shifts over to a formula that the Players Association can live with for the next handful of years that caps that escrow payment off at whatever the percentage is. But when you look beyond that, I'm not sure how they're going to come to terms with what the contracts are. I mean, if you're a player who's got multi-years left on your contract, you expect to get that guaranteed money back in return. I I don't know how anything can change in that regard. And the calendar is a little slippery here too. Guys, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to have to pay out at some point this year almost $61 million in signing bonus money. 60 plus million dollars in signing bonus money. Now, normally, according to the calendar, they would pay that out on July 1st. Well, the calendar is likely going to slide forward. So is it September 1st? I I don't know. But I know that the players believe, know, understand they're getting that money at some point, whenever the offseason is. So I'm not sure that there's a direct correlation to what's going on in baseball. Um. Jones, you're talking about some of the fans crying. You can hear one of those fans, the the youngest one in my house, is crying. Uh, I think she like she like she doesn't care if sports are at this point. She's like a baba. She just woke up from her nap. That's fine. Um, this is this is what we're doing here. So we're powering through, we're crying, trying to get through. Well, I've, right. got, I've got a hundred and thirty uh, thirty five pound Great Dane. His name is Tiny. Normally, she's sitting right beside me in the office. I kicked her out because there's a window right here, and she always barks at the cars and the kids in the, in the court. So I kicked her out. So I'm in better shape than you are, Liam. Well, listen, I had something earlier with a couple of former Notre Dame players. I had Rocket Ismail and Chris Zorch, and she was, she was quiet for that. That's, that's fine. Getting. You're getting half of it. You that's get okay. half of the whole thing. This is, this is as good as it's going to get. Uh, I think there are two questions here that are really on the fans' minds, and that is, I mean, obviously they want to know if and when, and we don't have the exact date, but they want to know when it does return. Let's say hockey does return here. In what form? 
and where will it be played? So let's start with the idea of hub cities. Uh, what are you hearing about that? What's the latest? And uh, you know, what handful of cities do you think are still in the mix here? Right. Well, I, I spoke to a, a governor uh, recently, earlier this week, in fact, and there's no board of governors meeting this week, a virtual meeting, a conference call. Uh, I believe it's scheduled for next Monday. Again, these are normally scheduled conference calls. And the expectation is that they'll likely learn what direction the NHL wants to go in after that conference call. Now, it may not be Monday. It may not be Tuesday. You know, it might be later next week or who knows, it could be later than that. And I realize I'm not giving specifics. But the expectation from this one source was they would at least have a better idea on where they're at in the process of selecting a hub city, assuming that that's the direction that the NHL is going to go in. It makes the most sense. It's certainly been the most talked about, the most speculated on. Uh, but how many hub cities are they going to go with if they decide to do that? Is it four? Is it more than four? Is it less than four? And I, I don't think that those questions can be answered just yet because it's all specific to uh, geography and how the virus is, is impacting that area. You know, I use Alberta in Canada as a classic example. I mean, Josie, you've been to the building in, uh, in Edmonton. I mean, this is state-of-the-art, all-world facility. You know, they've got the practice rink there. They've got, obviously, the main arena. And they've got full facilities in the ice uh, district. And, and the JW Marriott, which could house, you know, a number of teams and staff and, and everything necessary. So when you think of that bubble environment, man, Edmonton might be the best available. But is it the best fit when you, you look at COVID-19? And the cases, comparatively speaking, yeah, they're relatively low. But I, I, again, I can't answer that. I just know that Edmonton is among you know, the, the areas that has heavily been speculated on. So let's assume that they go with a hub city environment because, again, that's what we've talked about. The format gets a little trickier. Um, according to multiple sources, I believe that the league looks at best case scenario as being a 24-team format. And that might be bad news for the seven teams who aren't going to qualify. These would be non-playoff teams. You'd have a play-in formula. Maybe it's a three-game play-in. Maybe it's five or six games, depending on the calendar. What do they do? Could they, could they give the top teams a bye into the field of 16? I asked some players about that, some top players. They don't like that idea because they want to play. They, they need to play. They want to get the rust off as soon as possible. But let's fast forward to that 16 playoff formula, and it would be exactly that. Would it be a best of five for the first two rounds or the first three rounds? Maybe, depending on the calendar. Uh, could it be best of sevens all the way through to maintain the tradition of the Stanley Cup championship? Yeah, it absolutely could. But all of that would be dictated by when the relaunch happens and how much time the NHL believes that they have to work with. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dregs Baseball was talking about starting to play around July the 1st or July the 4th. Um, any date in the back of your mind, any date that keeps standing out to you where the NHL would be most likely to start? Well, I, I, I think they'd love to start in July if possible. Um, I mean, sooner the better, obviously. Um, but, you know, if we're having this conversation, we still don't have the answers at the end of May. Then that means, obviously, the Phase 2 hasn't been initiated as per the goal, the goal originally was May 15th. That, that's lofty. That's not happening. So if you push, you know, the goalposts to the end of May for bringing players back in phase two, you know, then you're, you're likely going to need that self-isolation period of as much as 14 days. You know, does that include part of what should be a, a three-week training camp? So now you're drifting into late June, right? Um, and then you get the players to the hub city. What's that going to look like? You know, could they, could they fast track and get going very, very quickly? I mean, July might be optimistic, but that's why I think that 2014 uh, format works best for all involved. And I know a lot of general managers are okay with that. And there's a follow-up to the 2014 format. If you're able to, to get games played in July and August, and maybe you're lucky enough to hoist the Stanley Cup at some point in September – there's almost a built-in cushion there, fellas. And, and the, the league is going to have to get business done. You know, if they don't satisfy the pushback and they're not able to have the draft in June, well, then it's obviously going to have to be in, in what is abbreviated uh, off-season, which is likely going to be a part of September, October, maybe even drifting into November. So you get all that business done uh, with free agency and, and whatnot. You give the players another break at that point in October, maybe a part of November, and as we talked about earlier, you're okay with the notion of, of starting the 2020-21 season as late as December. You're also building in that cushion for the, for the, the reality of what could be, as we talked about earlier, that, that second wave. So, you know, based on everything that I've been told, best case of getting going feels like it would be late June, but it might, might be best case some point in July. Well, June or July, I mean – you know, you brought up the draft and the idea of the league taking care of business and who knows if it'll be done before or after, but you've obviously spoken to a number of people. I clearly have an interest in this. I host this. You work with me. Um, you know, I'm just curious from the people that you spoke to more likely that we're going to see this draft. Do you think before a restart or after? Boy, I'm going to check it out on this one and I'm going to go 50, 50. And uh, if you'd asked me three weeks ago or so <clears throat> when it was initially uh, unveiled that, there was likely going to be a June draft. The reaction was swift, and it was not positive from uh, the general managers. Most of the GMs, and I'd say as many as two-thirds of the 31, did not want the draft in June before the conclusion of the season. But then there was a little bit more discussion on it, and the commissioner's office continues to push. So at this point, the GMs are just like, look, let's – Let's, let's just end the discussion. You know, we're never going to agree that it's, it's best to have it before the end of the year. 
But if it's best for the league to get it done before the conclusion of the regular season, then let's stop talking about it and let's do it. But there's got to be enough pushback from the owners, from the GMs, that the commissioner's office still isn't willing to, uh, willing to say publicly and officially, okay, we understand your concerns, but we have to move forward with this. So those that are opposed are still holding out hope that it won't happen before the end of the year. How, how difficult, Dregs, do you see the divvying up of draft picks that were you know, potentially out there to be decided upon how far a team went in the playoffs? And yeah. how, how are they going to do that? Well, I mean, you could do it on a percentage basis based on the regular season games played to date, or you saw it off at, I think the, the, the popular number is 68 games played, something along those lines. It's never going to be perfect. Uh, again, the commissioner's office continues to, to enforce that there are creative ways that, you know, they'll do the best possible to make sure that those conditional picks make sense. They're not going to make sense to everybody. You can be assured of that but they're going to do the best job possible. Frankly, the bigger concern, guys, is the reason that I'm at the draft working for NBC every single year, and that's the trade speculation and all the trades that happen on Friday and continue in the weekend on Saturday. I mean, I thought it was the paycheck. I was going to say the paycheck. Well, I think that that, that, that kind of goes without saying. I mean, that's a part of it. To be but if sure. you want to go with the trade stuff, you just you go with that. <laughs> okay. But look, that, that, that stuff matters to general managers, especially those guys who are okay with the look of their team, but they don't love it. And as we've learned over time under the salary cap system, you know, the offseason is the only time that you can retool your team where you can move money because there is at least some financial flexibility in the system during the offseason. So there are teams that are not happy about the fact that they're there isn't going to be trading. I mean, how can you move a roster player when that roster player has got to be on the roster of the team that he's playing for to wrap up the rest of the regular season, whatever that is, uh, and the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, for the, for the cap teams, I don't think they like it because they were hoping that they'd be able to, to use the environment of the draft to move some players, maybe improve their team, get a little bit younger if you're the Los Angeles Kings, or just flat out try and move out money. So, that's a bigger issue, to be fair, for most teams than the conditional draft picks at this stage. Yeah, and really it just goes hand-in-hand hand with the idea that there is no perfect plan for any of this. No. Because uh, there's no plan in place, and there are going to be things you're going to have to compromise on. Things are going to be unhappy. Players are going to be unhappy with. Uh, front offices are going to be unhappy with. But one thing you mentioned earlier that I want to go back to is this idea of bringing teams in and – you get into a playoff system where maybe it's now you quarantine for a month and then you're playing, you're making a long Stanley cup run. And we were wondering, well, wow, does this mean a player is essentially quarantined for months? And it sounds like uh, from what you've heard and what uh, I've heard from Bill Daly, the idea is they would like to be able to accommodate families and to have family time. So are they now planning for that idea that this is not just going to be players for months at a time, that we have to find a way to get family members to these hub cities potentially as well? Yeah, yeah, they are. And, and that's part of the ongoing dialogue between the League, the Players Association, and the Return to Play Committee. Um, and when they're in a position to announce some of the finalization of protocol, guys, I believe that that'll be part of it. And, and that could happen this week. If not, it'll happen next week. But they are finalizing the protocol of what all of that looks like, not just the, the, the obvious safety and the testing and all of that, 
But the Players Association made it abundantly clear, and this would have been through clear pushback from their members, their, the, the players who play the game who suit up. They were not willing to go into a, a scenario where they wouldn't be able to visit with their families, with their children, all of that. So they made it pretty clear that there would be no agreement unless there was some form of access. And, you know, then you get into the tricky analysis of this. Well, what does that mean? You know, how do you, how do you develop a safe zone, if you will? You know, can you bring your families into a hub city and effectively quarantine them for two weeks, make sure they clear? They're going to have to be tested. You know, are you testing a two-year-old? I mean, it gets complicated, obviously. Um, and, and then the flip side to that is if it's, if it's easier to send a player back to, to his home, how do you do that if you're engaged in competition? You know, it might work for some players, some depth guys. It's not going to work for your top players. These teams aren't giving these players up. Um, and, you know, what if a player tests positive when he returns? How does he then re-enter that, that team environment? Um, and let me follow up on that because that could be part of the protocol as well, especially here in Canada. There's been a lot of back and forth on this. And, and I know De Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly was quoted on this topic not that long ago talking about well, what if the inevitable seems to happen and a player tests positive? You know, do you shut down? Everyone in close proximity now goes into self-isolation quarantine for 14 days before they can come back into that environment. Uh, it's a spicy meatball, as our good buddy Jamie McLennan likes to describe certain uh, topics of discussion. And, and it's spicy because you've got varying opinion from infectious disease specialists, particularly here in Canada, from one province to the next. And then you've got the advisors, the health authorities who are working on a daily basis with the NHL and the Players Association, who are clearly giving the NHL and the Players Association a different opinion on that. You know, look, if, if it was a one and done, and what I mean by that one player tested positive, I think we're potentially talking about something completely different. And that could be the cancellation of the rest of the season. Because, it, again, you know, my opinion is it's, it's somewhat inevitable that somebody yeah. in that environment is going to test positive, whether it's a player or a coach or a staff member or the bus driver. I mean, there's so many people who are going to have to be involved. So I, I think there's a difference of medical opinion here between those who might be advising the NHL, the Players Association, and what we might be getting from state authorities or certainly here in Canada with some of the provincial advisors? I would think that some of the players and some of their families would be likely, some of their families would be likely not to join them and would just stay where they're at. I think hockey's kind of in an interesting position, similar to what basketball would be in, yeah. where this is a short time span it's not like baseball that's starting a season or the NFL that's going to start a season and it's going to go along you know they're just getting going this is a tournament style this would probably take what do you think Drake's 50 days to complete yeah, probably the 24 teams that would be involved in it and I, I mean for for NHL players I, I would be inclined if I was still playing to think that I, I put the 50 days in a way if I could win a Stanley Cup and if I lost and came home early uh, you know, two weeks into the thing, it wouldn't be a terrible thing either. Yeah. But to have a chance to win a cup, and I think my family would have appreciated that opportunity as well. And I, I don't know if it's that big of a gift uh, yeah. to go and just have the players do it themselves. Well, and, and that's an excellent point. 
Jonesy, in terms of how you break it down, and maybe that's the give back and, and why we continue to speculate on a daily basis about the 2014 format. Because, look, I, I had Sidney Crosby uh, on the Dreger Cafe, which I normally do annually, and I should be in Switzerland right now, by the way, at the World Hockey Championship, and clearly this isn't Switzerland. Um, but we're, we're doing the home edition, and we recorded the uh, home edition with Sidney Crosby yesterday. Uh, you'll get a snippet of it uh, later today, and, and it'll air, and it'll be posted in its entirety tomorrow. But he and I openly talked about that 2014 format, and for him – you know, he's on side with it. He, he, he likes the idea of a 24-team format as long as it's not March Madness, as long as it's not a tournament, as long as you've got four rounds that adhere to the tradition of battling through to that Stanley Cup championship and the Stanley Cup being hoisted. So if, if that's the option and the scenario that the NHL believes is best, and it's presented that way to the player – I, I, I'm with you, Jonesy. I think most players are going to say, hey, it's the playoffs, and I do this on a regular basis when I'm fortunate enough as a player to be in that situation. So I'm going to do it. We know when we're beginning. We know when we're ending. We know that there's going to be a break. But the follow-up to that, guys, is what if there are players, significant players, who say, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I, you know, Right. I still want an opportunity to have my family nearby. No different than I would have, you know, in the home games, in my home NHL city when we're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. Uh, but that, well, that's going to be – But, yeah, it, only it really only takes a few. I mean, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. But what if, what if you had, like, a, a system in place if you got through the first couple of rounds – Right, and then as things got bigger, maybe you bring in it's less people, of course, because yeah. it's less teams involved. You get down to the final four, yeah. Yeah, maybe you have some incentives like that that you could put in. I mean, I, I think there's options there that uh, could be, I think, rather easily handled with conversation and seeing yeah. how many players would agree to that. I played yeah, on teams. I, I played on teams where the playoffs came around. We were taken at at home when we're playing home games. We were taken to a hotel. Yeah. Is to stay focused on the games that we had to play. And the playoffs are, are a big deal. And winning a Stanley Cup is still a huge deal. So even under these unique uh, circumstances. Yeah. I, again, uh, all of that is being discussed. And, and to, to that point, Jonesy, I'd be surprised if, uh, in fact, I know that th there's got to be some form of an allowance. Even though it's, it's, it's 50 days or around 50 days, um, I'm sure it would be an issue of concern, an area of concern that the players would raise. And I'm sure that the National Hockey League has, has come up with some form of scenario to appease the player in that event. Well, they're looking at everything and anything. Uh, and I think, Jonesy, we've talked about it every time we've spoken, which is uh, we just hope we get hockey back in some form sometime soon because uh, it's what we do. Uh, we love it. And uh, this is part of it. You know, love chatting to you guys, but obviously would like to be chatting about some games sometime soon. So, uh, Jonesy, always good to see you. Dregs, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it, guys. Stay safe, okay? All you right, guys. guys. See you guys. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to shaving. <laughs> I like it. Keep the goatee. It's working. You look, it's, you uh, look, it's, you look mean. It's Jordan 92 at the Olympics. Okay. You're rocking it. All right. Take see care, guys.